Train Shuffling is brought to you by Midgard Hobbies and Games, our friendly local game store. Next, we'd like to thank Luxury Playstyle, maker of fine metal gaming accessories. Visit LuxPlay.com and use promo code LUXINFORMANT for 15% off. Next, we'd like to thank our wonderful patrons for your support. Your contributions help improve our live streams and bring you better content. If you'd like to buy a few shares of Train Shuffling, you can do so by visiting patreon.com slash meekinformant. Thanks and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome to Train Shuffling. I'm Johnny Hollander. I'm Eric Hyden. This is Train Shuffling. Hey, did I not say that? Uh, you did. Oh. <laughs> you said it. Uh, what episode is this? Quick, pop quiz. Are we counting bonus episodes? No. Then I still don't know. It's, it's episode <laughs> 19, not counting bonus content. Damn, 19. Yeah, that's not nearly as many as other podcasts. Yeah, we gotta do like one a week. We gotta do like one a day to catch up to <laughs> South Africans. Yeah, derail. You guys are <laughs> turning them out. All right. So, given that we uh, are obviously not going for quantity, we must have a, a quality show planned for tonight, right? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Let's hope so. <laughs> Spoiler alert. We don't. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, no, that's not true. So our show tonight, Johnny, is going to be, we're going to do a regular style. We're going to return to form uh, and do a regular style episode where we go through all of our phases. We give you some of the news. Uh, We we have an email from a listener and some interaction with our Discord patron community uh, because we asked a question, our main topic is discussion on bankruptcy. Um, and this was spurred by a Twitter back and forth I recently had this past week with the folks from Rails on Boards about bankruptcy. So we'll talk about that. And then I have the start of an epic train fact trilogy tonight. A trilogy? Yeah, I can't fit it all in one episode. And it weaves together so beautifully that I have to split it into to parts otherwise this would just be the train fact podcast so well i'm excited for that i won't even uh turn the episode off by the time we get there <laughs> i'll listen to the whole thing <laughs> you'll be the only one who hears <laughs> it but that's okay <laughs> all right uh you want to receive starting capital i would love some starting capital all right why don't, why don't you go for it Cause... okay so so since our last acknowledgement we have had six new patrons all of which we would like to heartily thank right now um, nope, five. Heartily? Heart, heart, heartily. Okay. Sound like hardly. I'm like, no. We... No. Like, with, <laughs> like a hearty thanks. Or with heart. I'm not sure which one that refers to. <laughs> so we, we have Noah Moscat, Andrew Buckholtz, Lily Gould, Sean Hampton, and Ryan Hopkins. Thank you all very much for, for joining us. And going through that list, I think most of those people are in... The, the Discord, if you are not, Noah, I'm not sure if I know Noah's username or if he's just looking. Yeah, I, don't, I actually don't recognize the name from Discord either, so I don't know if it's just because they're not using their their real name in Discord or if it's because yep. they're not in there yet. But if you want to be in there and you're not and you're having trouble with our automatic invite system through Patreon, send us a note and we will get you in there ASAP. Sean, that, list, that, that name uh, is from the Bankruptcy Club, and... 
he and I have actually and with you, right? We the three of us played a, a game together and that was a delight yeah. and I got to play with them recently. We'll we'll talk about that in a bit. And everybody in there has been great. So thanks for joining. Continuing to have a great time with the Discord community. Yeah. Thanks everyone. Moving on to the private auction. Actually, we're going to skip right past the private auction because we don't, I don't know what I'm doing here with, with my hand, but. <laughs> Flawless podcasting, no corrections to make. As usual. So initial stock round, our listener questions from last episode. Actually, I don't know if, was this uh, actually an answer to a question or was this just. No, uh, this was just, yeah, just a random feedback. All right. So this was from Andrew. Uh, Train Shufflers, 1846 is one of my favorite games. Hey, Eric, too. Uh, 18xx or otherwise it has great depth and replayability without being overly complex i have almost 30 games played but i haven't tried out 18xx.games yet i thought your episode with eric brocious and avery was very entertaining if you can't play 18xx then maybe you can talk about 18xx or in this case listen to people talk about 18xx that's why we're doing it (laughs) i'll try to explain one opening situation our group had that i found amusing player one part of company to get three shares Player two passed to see what player three wanted. Player three passed to make player two decide. This is going well so far. Yeah, it's and I know it's going to be even harder to follow this in audio than it is to read it. Um, I parred IC. Player one bought his third share and was out of money. Player two passed again, wanting to force player three's hand, but player three passed again. <laughs> Now, instead of me purchasing my third share, I decided to pass, causing stock round one to end because player one didn't have the money to do anything worthwhile and was going to pass. This, of course, left player two and three without company for the first set of ORs, which it it sounds like this is pretty unusual. um, Yeah. Just to interject, because I I don't think that it's a good idea to get out of the first stock round without shares at all. Yeah, that's what he's saying, right? (laughs) Uh, So we played a few ORs before calling the game since they were essentially out of it, having to sit out the first set. First OR set, no track lays, no private buy-ins, no paths, etc. Needless to say, they didn't play that game of chicken again when we restarted. <laughs> Can't wait to get back to gaming again. Our group normally plays monthly, but haven't met since March. We did a couple online games of 1817 in April, but once the weather turned nice, I got into other projects around the house and haven't made the time to get back to it. Keep up the good work, Andrew. Thanks, Andrew. That was yeah. Uh, awesome feedback. Love that. Uh, no, or not so much <laughs> feedback, but just like, just like hearing from everybody. And I, I read that and, and laughed pretty good about the <laughs> people trying to, trying to play chicken and say, well, what do you want? Um, it's interesting because even if they didn't have the risk of ending the stock round without anything, it's, it seems, it seems very unusual where you wouldn't want to be able to be the one making the choice first of which company to open and yeah i mean I, there are situations where you you would prefer to know like like a par if you're going to par high then i might take this company and do this with it or you know yeah um, some companies really want two trains versus other companies want green trains so but you can you can make something work with most of them and right especially i think i'd rather not know a par price and get my choice of companies that I think will work best with the privates I got out of the draft than to pass. And plus if you're also giving up priority because now you're buying your shares last and yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's good. I think that's the only feedback we had besides stuff that we're going to talk about in the main topic. 
so if you uh if you have thoughts and uh, you know just musings on 18xx or anything you want to share or chat with us about uh bring up potential discussion topics you can send it to us on our email that's train shuffling at gmail.com or you can catch us on twitter at train shuffling or if you're in the if you're in the discord just talk to us about stuff yeah bring up topics you want to hear yeah all right so let's move on to uh laying track that's our 18xx news we have some interesting news so all board games had a couple of announcements. Uh, 1860 is coming to Kickstarter, the long-awaited 1860 by Mike Hutton, which we have streamed a couple times two-player. It was very hard to get a hold of. Aftermarket prices were painful. Mm-hmm. And so that's coming to Kickstarter on January 26th in eight days as of this recording. Um, it's a good game. And I think... You know, one of the things that held it off was that Mike likes to keep his own, uh, his hand in the in the pie. Is that a saying? I don't know. We'll go with it. <laughs> he puts his hand right in the pie <laughs> when it comes to graphic design, and he, you know, he wants um, stuff a certain way. So he and Scott Peterson must have come to an understanding on that and got it got it all settled. So we'll find out in eight days exactly what that's going to look like i'm sure the kickstarter will have details on the artwork and things like that i I saw a note um from scott that it's essentially just going to be a straight reprint of the the graphics that that's what mike wanted so that's what they're going to do he also announced the wave four aag titles including 1822 ca 1837 heartspawn 1873 and 18USA, both in a standalone and an expansion uh, form for those who already have 1817. Um, and for those that participated in the BGG thread asking about box or no box, it is going to be a box for the standalone. Yeah, separate box. Um, yeah. So I of those, I am particularly excited about 1822CA uh, as I continue to dive down the 1822 rabbit hole. And I know, Johnny, you, you're psyched on 37, right? 37, 73. 18 USA, I'm just getting because it's it's funny. I was thinking I'm getting it because it's cheap, but it's only cheap because the other ones are so really exorbitantly yeah. expensive. <laughs> but I mean, that's like more than a lot of other board games, non-expansion board games. Yeah, <laughs> even some of the premium ones. So um, yeah, so it's still pretty expensive. But um, given that I have 1817 on the shelf, I figured I'd go for that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm most excited for 37, I think, but I really don't know about Hearthspawn 1873 because it's such a unique title. I, I don't even know how to, how to feel about it until I get my hands on it and play it, but I've heard interesting things. I have, uh, I've almost intentionally had a, a blind spot for, for that one. And uh, yeah, it's hard, it's hard to keep up, uh, with, with so many games coming up, but there should be. Um, apparently enough to stock to, you know, to buy it later. If you, you change your mind, if it's, you don't need to pre everything order everything right away. Yeah. I mean, for me, things that are wildly different tend to draw me in more than something that's going to be slightly different than something else I already have. Right. Um, so that even though I don't know a lot about it, that kind of has, has made me interested because I like having kind of an eclectic mix of experiences on my shelf. Right. He also announced there's uh, 18 Chesapeake Off the Rails, which was initially called After, After Dark. Dark. Yeah, real <laughs> sexy. Um, With the pink light. Which has like there. inverted colors and stuff. Um, it, it's it's essentially 18 Chesapeake that turns the game into something more like 1830. 
and, and is fully unhinged. Um, I, I got a chance to play this online. It's implemented on, on Doc Games, if you didn't notice. I got to play it online with Tony Fryer and Chris Whippan and their group um, this past Monday. And it took us, uh, I think, 45 minutes or an hour. I think it took us an hour. And that was like a bit on the long side. Um, we got through and pretty quickly. Think bankruptcy and OR 4.3. Was it fun? Interesting? It was fun. It was, it's a distraction. You know, it's like a, it's like a, the closest thing to a filler game uh, as 18xx has. Yeah. So we finished up a game of 82 that took us, I don't know, like two hours, I think, or maybe a little less. And then to like, as a nightcap, we played off the rails. Um, and it's very wild. We got to like Brown in OR 1.2, I think, or something like that or 2.1, it was very fast for what 1830 normally is. So what what makes it that way? Can you describe it a little bit? Um, I'm trying to recall what makes it so crazy. It is 1830, but float in five, I think. So you float with five shares, so there's lots of capital flying off those shelves. The stock market is 1830-shaped, which is different than 18 Chesapeake. The diesels are eleven hundred dollars instead of nine hundred, so they the, the threat of bankruptcy is real. It's quite real, and yeah, I think it's the the floating of five. And I don't know how much money you start with, but hmm. yeah, I don't know. There's just lots of money, lots of train buying. I think I either didn't get to run my twos or my threes or something like that. I, I bought a train and immediately rusted without ever running it, and that had never happened to me before in a game. I know that happens in stuff like eighteen forty one, but Man, that wasn't that didn't feel good. But it was like it's so it was so quick. So yeah. we get cool. to experience that. And then he also announced today. I was browsing the internet today and saw that Scott, in response to the guys over at Gaming Moguls, they were saying they want eighteen forty nine on a bigger map in one of their episodes. And so Scott decided to give it to them because he's like buddy was with those guys and he and he plays with them in person. So this is designed by Scott. Uh, the map is. So it's 1849 Kingdom of the D- Two Sicilies is the working title, I guess. An expansion map is getting put up. A, a digital play test launch for an 1849 expansion map tentatively on uh, Dot Games this Friday, January 22nd, 2021. Um, and it's got two extra companies and some more trains. And the map is the boot of Italy and uh, a little bigger and different terrain and stuff and i don't know that there is an earthquake i actually asked in the thread but i forgot to look before we started um if there will be an earthquake event because that's such a dis- defining characteristic <laughs> yeah i assume that the terrain will will float up with the tiles yeah he said it's the same rules as 49 but just a different map so yeah because the uh the, the dual gauge h trains in the in the terrain i think are uh can't call 49 without those no i agree so that's all the AAGs we have and an 18 mag Kickstarter wrapped up today. Do you know the, the stats on, on how that did? Um, I believe it was just shy of one of the goals, but that Lonnie committed to doing it anyway. Good on you, Lonnie. I don't know what goal it was. Yeah, congratulations on a, on another successful Kickstarter. Yeah, I think it was the foam trays for the tiles. Oh, he's putting trays in for the tiles. Yeah, like, um, like Josh from Grand Trunk Games. Yeah, cool. So that's neat. I know a bunch of people were, were asking about that, so... 
Uh, it'll be interesting to see it in the wild. That's available on TTS if you're curious to play it. There is a, there is a mod, and th there's two mods, one with the main board and one with the two-player-only map. We should give that a shot now that it's on, on TTS since we didn't we didn't give it the old college try when we were doing the play-by forum style. We really didn't. Yeah, I, I, I would like to do that. So, All right, we'll get that we'll get that going some at some point. Yep, and we'll let everybody know. Dot Games, eighteen uh, XX Dot Games, uh, also has since the last time we recorded released several new titles. A lot of them are ones that I am very excited that they're on that platform now and have been waiting for. Um, so, I have the full list up here. Um, I'll run through. Uh, I'll just run through the list. So th there's 1817. A new title since last time was 1817 NA. That's North America. It's a shorter version of 1817, a different map. 1836 Junior, 1846, 46 two-player, 82, 89, AL, Chesapeake, Georgia, Los Angeles, Mex, MS, TN, and then two new titles, 1860 and 67. Those are both in beta, very quickly to beta. Um, and I have played a complete game of or an almost complete game of 67 at this point. We haven't run into anything. That's quite a fun one. And much faster than the six-month 1861 game that we played. <laughs> um, Chesapeake off the rails. Uh, I guess that's technically a newer one since last time. 1817 WO, or World. Uh, 1817 on a larger scale map is an alpha. 1828.games is an alpha, which is 1828 by J.C. Lawrence. And I think essentially that it's not exactly the same title or I thought what I saw was that because it's not represented exactly the same in terms of the visuals, the aesthetics that he didn't want it called exactly the same name. Yeah, or I like that. think it is a combination of that and some of the names of the entities have been okay. made to form dot games. Like I think there's like a sh like share companies or something and those are called corporations or something to that effect. But it, but it's the exact same game with the same rule set and everything, or at least it will be once the bugs are worked out and everything. Yeah. It, it, but okay. just with, you know, some stuff renamed okay. and, and cool. different graphics. And I've heard good things about it. It's about 28. Yeah. That'll be interesting to explore. 1849 is the last on the list, the list, which is just an excellent game. And I, I ran through that hot seat mode. I, I played through almost a full game, three players as all three players. It took me like an hour and a half. <laughs> Who won? Uh, you know what? Or who was winning? Nobody. <laughs> nobody, because I didn't realize that hot seat games on Doc Games are local to the computer that you're on. And I was on one computer, and then I came back to it the next day, and they had like fixed a bug, and the game was broken, and they were like, we can't resume this game. And the game had to be just deleted. So <laughs> and you'll never know who was going to win. <laughs> That's it. That's all the news we got. Lots of stuff. Very excited about a few things. We Johnny and I looked at our list of like incoming pre-ordered train games the other day, and it is extensive. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's pretty good um, or bad depending on how you want to look at it. I think we have. How, do you know how many? I think I have like twelve. It's it's overwhelming. I think I have. So I I tallied it up. I have fifteen games on the shelf, and that was 18 until i sold three that eric also has so we didn't need all the duplicates and then i have 17 coming and i think you're very close to that yeah i've got 12 just plus 
four like PNP things that are not quite complete. Oh no, I have 14, including two PNP games that I don't know why I listed them separately. And then I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 games on their way. Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, what, what are you most excited about? Um, That's coming. Yeah, look at my list. I can't keep 16 titles straight in my head. I actually made a list on my phone of all my E10XX games so I could easily reference. I need to pull my, my collection up on BGG to like just to process, like, what do I want to play? What do I like? Oh, yeah, I like those. So what I am most excited for, I mean, 49 I'm excited for. I've played 49. I'm, what I'm most excited for that I haven't played is 33NE. Um, and I'm also uh, really curious about 1840 because I blindly backed that and really don't know anything about it. And that should be coming pretty soon. Uh, what about you? I am pretty jazzed about 33NE as well. Extremely jazzed, but that's that's way out still. Yeah. So on the on the currently ordered list, but not including stuff that I think I will order, twenty two MX is is exciting me as as forty nine and eighty two as well. I like those shorter games that have a bit of crunch, and I've been playing a bit of those, but more of those lately. So yeah. Speaking of playing games, let's let's talk a little bit about what we've playing what we have playing. <laughs> And this is this is laying tokens for those who have uh, forgotten our normal structure. It's very important. Yes. Why don't you lead us off? All right. So let's see. We played 1848 uh, with some uh, patrons. That was fun. That's a really... I don't know if we've really talked too much about that game, but that game confuses me <laughs> and intrigues me. I like it a lot, um, but I don't really know what I'm doing when we play. Me neither. <laughs> I think it will. I think I will grok it more when we're playing it in person. But uh, it's a bit hard to follow at the pace that I'm able to to play at. And I know that most of the slowdown is is my fault. But I think that game in particular is hard to keep straight when you're not playing it continuously for you know the four hours it takes or whatever. Yeah, I, I'm excited to play that synchronously. We yeah, it it has like an implosion moment like in every game I, that I've well in both of the two games that I've played of it. Right. Uh, yeah, where stuff starts going into receivership and somebody comes out in a real bad position. Yeah, I honestly, I don't even remember how it all turned out in the last game. I think I know I didn't win, but I don't think I was the last either. I don't know. I think both of our games ended in like SR, like in the fifth round or or something. Very, it was like they were both very quick because suddenly some player had like two or three companies to go into receivership and all, or all the loans were taken out or something. And then the game just triggers an end. Um, in both games, I ended up, I ended up coming out okay after the implosion, but also in both games, I ended up being in a bad position in, in priority going into the stock round in which the last companies were open. So in, uh, I didn't get to open a second company in either game. Hmm. Um, so I think that one of the keys that I need to, pay more attention to is how to position myself to guarantee that I can start a company, even if it means giving up, you know, buying an additional share or something like that in the stock round right before I know that's going to happen because uh, I wasn't paying attention to that. And I think that was right. A, a downfall in both games. Yeah. Um, I don't think you can win without knowing the rules. 
Definitely without knowing the rules, but and I shouldn't say you can't win without being one of the people to start a second company because I'm sure that you can because I know that one of the interesting things about this game is that when the implosion happens, even if your company goes under, that doesn't mean you lose. If you've positioned yourself with a lot of shares in the Bank of England and things, so there's probably ways that you can be very clever and win the game while your only company goes under and you don't have a second company. I'm sure it's possible, but it seems that the people that have done well in our two games have been able to start a second company and kind of control when that implosion happens and how it happens. But anyways, it, it's very different. I, I, I think I will like it a lot, but it's very hard for me to even gauge the game from the, uh, from the two plays we had. But um, I'm, I'm very excited for that one, but that's another one that's a few months out. Although it, it is on there, it's... GMT is near term. It's moved up in the, in the list, I think, on the, one of the last, last few months of their... P five hundred like update list that they yep put out. So I think it, I think it's like three to six months out or something like that. That sounds right. So won't be too long. Nope. Um, and we should be getting a copy of that. Uh, so we also played eighteen forty nine. Did we stream that? Yes. Or did we just play it privately? Okay. We streamed it on TTS. All right. Cool. So that was when we played with Sean from the Bankruptcy Club. Yeah. Well, I knew that. I just couldn't remember if we played it privately or not. Yeah. Uh, and let's see what else. 1822 CA. I'm currently in a game on the full map. Um, Are you near the end of that? We're in stock round nine and three new companies just opened. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if, if we're if they're going to run for one set and then the game's going to be over or if they're going to run for a few sets before that happens. Interesting. Because so, um, obviously a lot of a lot of money is going to. Well, a lot of money goes back into the bank from buying the trains but then again you know a lot more shares are going to get paid big money from the runs yeah i don't know that might be offset by a lot of the trains resting i have no idea i haven't played the full game of any 22 variety before i've i don't think i've ever seen a game go into nine stock rounds so um no the 22s i think so our, our last game of 22 mx went nine sets and then ended and it does payout the payouts are significant on the end the last but in in mx the last couple stock rounds don't usually see new companies starting that's true that's true um so this this i haven't seen where we're in stock round nine and three new companies are opening up with uh everybody's got enough money to open them up at the high highest power price so that you know um but we're only on the five trains there's one five train that's probably getting exported i think um and then we've got you know the two or three six trains and then these but does the full game of, of uh canada have the same rule where after the first seven or e is bought the that triggers the end no or is it just the bank that, that's just in the eastern scenario the eastern scenario yeah okay so yeah so oh we'll see we'll, i'll report back next time we record how long it ended up going actually the action is on me and i've been uh hanging out with my wife all day so i've how dare you been been, been annoying my uh <laughs> Opponents not taking my turn. Uh, and then finally, 1846, we said last episode uh, when we interviewed uh, Eric, Brocious, and Avery that we were going to do a game with them. And we did. And uh, I won Whew. against all odds. You are incredible at this game. <laughs> so I've decided I am ending my um, 18xx career on a high note. Yeah. <laughs> I should actually quit my game of 22CA because I'm actually I'm winning in that, but I probably won't win. And if I'm going to end my career on a high note, I probably shouldn't finish that game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it was it was cool. Um, 
obviously I didn't expect uh, going against three players who've played a bunch. I mean, Eric, you've played 30-something games, so not nearly as many as Eric Brocious and Avery, but certainly, you know, more than twice of what I've played. Um, so I did not expect to do well at all, much less win the game. You, and that was, that felt pretty good. You, yeah, you B&O'd and steamboated and mountain blasted your way to, to victory. Yeah, and I, and I know that there was some talk about somebody else should have bought one more two train or whatever. And, you know, I, I looked back and I definitely think it would have slowed me down a little bit, which a little bit of slowdown early can snowball into a big advantage. Um, but I think not that, not that I think Eric Brocious made a mistake doing what he did, but he did, he avoided going towards Toledo because he had his two end game routes in mind, which paid the most of any company at the end of the game. But the side effect of him going that route was that it let me get, early on a very good Chicago to um, what's the, what's the, the off board near uh, new wheeling. That's the high value one. Uh, Pittsburgh, right? Uh, oh, Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yeah. Pittsburgh. It is Pittsburgh. Yeah. So I had, I had a really good Chicago to Pittsburgh route and I had two fours and a five uh, and I got to run them for a long time. <laughs> so I was running for like near, near 800 an OR for, I think like four, Sets. And Eric Brocious at the time was half paying every round to save up enough to break into grays. And I think he was the only one that really was able to do that. So while he was half paying, I was paying a lot of money and he did start earning more than me towards the end, but it just wasn't, wasn't enough. It was too, it was a little too late. Uh, I think so. I, that was the moment where I kind of like saw that Toledo was still open and I was like, that was nice. <laughs> Because I would, I would have probably not even been in second place if I hadn't gotten that route. But, uh, but that was, yeah, it was cool to go up against the the big boys. The big boys come out on top. <laughs> probably won't happen again. So, <laughs> what have you been playing? My games. I've I've been playing a lot of games lately. I was a part of all the games that Johnny mentioned except for the except for the twenty two CA game. Um, I signed up for. Well, there was a split in that in that group, and I ended up playing 22MX with Trevor Shannon and Randy and Dan. And I actually won that game. It was my first game of 22MX or any 22 that I have won, and that was a proud win for me. I won with the, the FCM and M18 combo and a permanent five train, so like nothing <laughs> high tech or anything. I feel like it's kind of the base, like good package that you can get, mm-hmm. but I got it, and it worked out and it was very close i think in the end but it was it was fun yeah that fcm and m18 combo in all the games that that i've played that both of us have played i think has always been strong even if the person that had it didn't win each of those right. games well, it hasn't always been the winner um good. yeah and i had to pay dearly for it you know i think i bid it up at least to 235 or 240 or something like that yeah i think randy took it for like over 250 once and said he thought that was a good deal on it or something like that at it's, I think that's part of the uh, – somebody's obviously going to get that in the first round every game. It, I think so. Goes. So I think that I think part of the trick is to figure out how to make sure that person pays enough for it. Yeah, it might have been more than that. I can't remember now exactly. Go look up my the spreadsheet. 235 sounds cheap. It might have been 260. I mean, the, I the three, two or three games that I've played, it sounds cheap. You know what the cool part about playing on board 18 is, though? Well, I guess you can do this in dark games too. Is that I can just go look this up if I wanted to. I'm not going to look it up now. Anyway, I played that. Played uh, 18 LA um, with Joe and Mike, and that is just an awesome game. Um, we had a really fun dynamic three-player game. That game in the past I've played with four or five players, and it's been very congested, and it's hard to kind of do anything. 
And that's not a bad thing. But with three players, it was very interesting. You could go all over the place. We had lots of like cross map runs and uh, there was a company dump. It, it was crazy. It was a it was a cool game. And I ended up like I started off real bad and kind of overtook. I think I won. I think I won. 46 tournament is the season two is wrapped up. I came fourth of seven in my five J group, I think. And we started up season three and I am doing poorly already. I've made the same mistake in two different games where I got the B&O and I bought one two train and I'm not, I did not buy a second and running for like $6 a share on the first, first one. So no hope of double jumping. <laughs> and you know, there's a podcast episode. Yeah, I should have listened to it you first. all about what to do. <laughs> yeah, so not going not going well there, but it's it's fun. And let's see, just going to list the, the rest of these off because there's too many to go into detail. 1882 with the wheel tapping crew, off the rails with them afterwards. 1867 and 82 with patrons. Uh, 82 just wrapped up. I came in dead last. 67, I am like near the top, but I just opened a company and it's probably not worth it. And we'll see. Just trying to, trying to kneecap somebody. In that game, I think it's just going to cost me the game, though. That sounds so violent. <laughs> knee capping, yeah. <laughs> uh, apologies to anyone who has had their knees attacked by anyone, and I just gave them PTSD triggers. I played 1822 CA Eastern Regional Scenario with the Bankruptcy Club guys, and that was very, very good. I was like, I probably don't need 1822 CA because I already have all these other 22 games. And this game took us three and a half hours and it felt like a full 1822 experience and there's some cool things in there the privates are different i like the map and the way that the lettered cities have upgrade paths that you kind of have to choose and that seems really impactful and when you merge a miner in you get to do a free tile action and that's pretty cool because you can feel neat when you do like i can do one two three actions plus three upgrades if you have the right privates and i also came in last in that game but it was it was great, and it was. It took three and a half hours. It's a weeknight school. I'm sensing a pattern. You either win or come in dead last. It's why would you bother? There's for no that? middle ground for you. I don't. <laughs> or are these all two player games? Yeah, uh, no, these are three. If I have, you know, if I have a shot. So in that game, I bought a miner and and bought a six train, I think, out of pocket with it. So I dumped six hundred dollars into a miner, mm-hmm. and it made me. Almost $300 by the end of the game. So I lost $300 just on that. And it was the wrong thing to do officially. But I did it because I was like, I'm not doing the math and I want to open this miner. So yeah, I was just kind of pulling levers there. And those guys have played quite a bit of 22 and, and those things. So Sean's pretty formidable. And Ian as well. But I've, I've noticed Sean have a tendency to, he has a tendency to win the games that I've played with him and seen him play. But he, he hustles because... He, he does the self-deprecating thing where he says he's a, he's a nobody in the 18xx yep. community and doesn't win games and stuff. Yep. Oh, whoops. Going to walk away with another <laughs> W in my pocket. <laughs> and then last but not least, I am finally in a learning game of 1817 with the patrons. They, I, I forget if somebody prompted it. I think someone did said, like, I'd like to do a thing. Who wants to learn? And I said, yes, I will join that. And we just got into the first OR. And it's been like... <laughs> Three or four days. So you didn't know you didn't know the rules or anything when you started. It? I have watched Dan's video on the bankruptcy club on how to play eighteen seventeen, which is very very good. Okay, because that initial the initial auction is very different. Yes, and kind of confusing. <laughs> yes, it is. 
Um, <laughs> so the things that I didn't really, I, I hung the game for a day while I was like, I knew it was my turn and I didn't have the time to like sit down and digest and learn the rules that were going to matter for me. So I just kind of sat there and, and eventually started asking like, you know, give me advice here. What are the things that I like? What are the ranges? How much net worth am I looking to come out of this auction with typically and stuff like that? And mm-hmm. I think that the main advice I got was like, they thought maybe $330 of net worth coming out of that was a, probably a good ballpark that you're looking for. And then like taking two loans to buy two trains in the start, you know, kind of get me started, something to start on. And now we're we're halfway through the first OR. And I apparently forgot to use the Pittsburgh private. So I need to go back and undo it. Oh, yeah. no. I got it. And then I was like... <laughs> that's a good one too. <laughs> and they were like, wait, why didn't you use it? I was like, oh, because I'm an idiot and I forgot. <laughs> so that's it. That's all the train games. Whew, so many train games. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen train games. God damn. But that's over the past month or two. Yeah. <sighs> Your turn. Cool. Um, that wasn't even the main topic. All right, let's run some trains. So Rails on Boards posted a thing on their blog, 1817 mixed feelings after the last game. And in that, totally adjacent to 1817 at all, there was a comment in there because they were sort of saying, maybe this is us just being beginners and we don't know how to make the game work. And they said, after all, you still hear questions from beginners, like how do you end 1882 in bankruptcy? We've played for five times and we've never seen one. So I commented on Twitter and and started a little conversation with them saying that it sounds like you're suggesting that there's a correlation between experience levels, like higher experience levels and higher bankruptcy rates. And I don't think that's true. I actually think it's something of the opposite where maybe very beginner players will not see bankruptcy because they don't know how to push trains and then there's a middle period where people start they try things and they don't know quite what they're doing and they get themselves into trouble and don't know what to look for and there might be more bankruptcies in that that group and then once you sort of know what to look for it's a lot more rare that a bankruptcy occurs in a game. And I asked our patrons, like, what do you think? Because this is just my experience and what I've seen before. I, I've only played 82 like five times, but I don't think I've seen a bankruptcy in it. Maybe once, I'm not sure. But so we asked, we asked the patrons. First of all, Johnny, what, what's your take on that? Do you think it is like, we're just two noobs and that's why we, you know, are all of our games aren't imploding. Um, so first of all, I, I think it's extremely title dependent. I think there are some games where you will just never see bankruptcies, no matter what. Absolutely. Title is. And I think we've played a lot of, I think we've played a lot of those games. So I'm not surprised we haven't seen a lot of bankruptcies personally. I, I think we can as, sort of assume that we're talking about 30 style, 82, 30, things like that, that have the, the looming possibility of, of bankruptcy. Yeah. Yeah. So looking, looking at our, kind of repertoire of A10XX games. I mean, you've played a few games of 82 recently online, but when we started out, our games that were likely to end in bankruptcy were almost non-existent. And we played a few games of 89, but those were, you know, we were pushing trains a lot. And even, I, I think I've seen one game of 89 with bankruptcy with all the mix of players that we've played with. I just, we've played, you know, we've played games like 62, 44, 24, CZ, 1880, 1860, 
I just don't know that we've that we've played that many repeat plays of games that have you know a lot of twenty twos where the bankruptcy is not really doesn't seem to be a common thing there. So I think that makes me unsure of the correlation. Okay, so you're essentially saying that we don't have enough experience to make a claim either way. I think so. But that being said, I, I think that if I were to take a stab at answering this question, I think it has less to do with the experience of the player on an you know, individual play. So a game with all noobs versus a game of all experienced players. I don't know that that's going to be the determinant of how likely bankruptcy is. I think it's going to be the gap between players. I think if you have a new player with a bunch of sharks playing 1830, probably likely to see that new player go bankrupt because they're not really going to know how to avoid things like that. So I think the uh, experience gap is probably a bigger determinant of whether or not bankruptcy is likely in a game. But I don't think I have the experience with bankruptcy likely games to know. Okay, that's fair. I mean, I'm willing to accept that as well. I have often felt that way when I hear people talking about stuff they don't really know what they're talking about. I am usually of the mind of, you probably don't know. Um, and maybe maybe that's the <laughs> case uh, with us. But that's that's my take. And I think the delta is probably a salient point um, that the, the difference in experience levels is probably pretty important when it comes to this. So we had a couple of people chime in uh, when we asked the question. Oh, so I guess preface this. We asked a couple of other adjacent things like any interesting things about bankruptcy you want to say? Are they fun? Do you prefer when they end the game or not? Um, and, and what about games where you can take a loan to continue the game, like in 49? Um, so all this feedback is kind of mixed together with, the, with those things. So Mike said, there's a bright line between games where bankruptcy ends the game versus the game continues without the bankrupt player. Individual tastes may vary, but I find that for in-person play, I'd rather something where the bankruptcy ends the game so we can all move on to something else. And for online plays, I'm fine either way. 1846 is an exception because it does continue after bankruptcy, but bankruptcy is really very rare. Take a loan and keep playing, but you get a big penalty at the end, like in 1849, can sort of solve the problem of a player having to sit out with nothing to do. But since it's nearly impossible to win from that position, it can create other problems like possible kingmaking. So it's a real trade-off. Yeah, I think in 49, I mean, we, we saw it in, in our game. I decided to not restart because I, I do think I agree with Mike entirely on that. It's very silly to go bankrupt. Um, if it's, I guess it depends on where in the game. In, the, in our game, there was no way. The game was going to end soon. There was no way I was going to be in a position to even have a chance at winning. I have heard of people going bankrupt early in 49, coming back in. Right and winning so so it is possible but like if it's not possible then i totally agree with mike why even come back in yeah yeah go do something else (laughs) or just hang out hang out and have a beer and watch your friends finish the game like that to me would be more enjoyable than coming back and struggling to just stay above water while everybody else there there is a real scenario where calling the game would be something that would be a real like question for me if we like if you and me and two other people got together in a magical world where we could do that and it's safe. And we started a game and in like the first half hour or something, I went bankrupt. And then I knew it was going to take four hours for you guys to finish the game. That would be tough for me. I probably would be like, uh, is there any way we could start again? But I don't know. Yeah. So I, I have not necessarily changed my opinion on that topic um, whereas I used to be very against calling games, I, I think it really for me it just I've I've come to the conclusion that it depends on the scenario. Online, it's a no-brainer. 
nobody's out anything. Nobody's got to make the nobody's got to make the drive home having not played a full game. And, and right, you just uh, stop participating because we couldn't start a new one. Yeah, online you start stop it and you start a new one. And the worst that happens is somebody's like, well, would I want or would I not want? Big deal. Like, um, if if somebody really cares that much to 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 duke it out to find out if they were going to win or not, then I wouldn't stop. Like, I wouldn't stop the game. I wouldn't push for for it to end. But um, but I think that online the stakes are very low to just restart. In person, I think it depends. If it's very early in the night, like you said, it's half an hour in, and we have time to restart. I would rather restart than have you be miserable unless you want right. to go. Yeah. If it was, if, if, yeah, Johnny got a PS5. So. <laughs> um, jealous. Uh, if 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 it was on the other end though, and it was a half hour from the end, obviously that's perfect. That's like okay, okay, I lost a little early, and, and I get right. You just let let everybody else finish the game. Yeah. It gets harder away the further the further from the finish line that you are. Yeah, and we we generally, I mean, unless bankruptcy happens very early, we're already on weeknights pushing it to get a game in at all. Uh, it would be very difficult for us to stop a game yeah. or to start a new game and have a chance to finish it uh, of any title, really. So um, I don't really see calling games a lot when we're doing our, our work work night games. Agreed. In yeah. person. But I do, I have come around a little bit more to seeing the validity in calling, having been in the position where I struggle to make decisions when I know, when I feel like all my decisions are doing are determining whether you know, which of the two top players is going right. to benefit more from my decision. And it makes me feel bad to continue playing when I have to worry about whether or not I'm, I'm king making. Hmm. I just put your blinders on and just say, I'm just, I'm doing here. I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I've been in a position where it's like, well, I, I could put a station here. And if I was in contention to win the game, I probably would. But doing this now is really just going to guarantee that this other player wins but then I'm like, well, if I don't do it, am I now giving the other person a leg up? And I and I struggle with what's the right, the ethically right decision. <laughs> yeah, that can be hard. Ethics in 18xx games are tough. So in those cases, I've I've wondered like, should we just call it? Because I'm now determining who's going to win the game, which makes it invalid anyways. Oh, this is an uncomfortable discussion now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate when this one comes up. Hey, when you when you bring up you brought yeah, up calling games, I did. I'm not. I'm going to ignore your question though. So let's move on. <laughs> it, yeah, it's <laughs> too hard. Yeah, it is. It's a really tough one. All right. So Tom uh, says, I think it depends. Is this sorry? Is this um, Tom R? This isn't Tom Russell. No, right? no, no. Okay, it's the Tom R from Discord, right? Yep. Okay. Um, I think it depends. In my games of 1830, at least, it seems like bankruptcies can come from risk but that risk is independent of experience. After the first few games, at least it seems more driven by personalities at the table. Yeah, I think I think that's a fair statement. I mean, it's all, it's all about risk. The more risk that you take on, the more likely you're going to have financial troubles. And if it's a game that, game that sees bankruptcies a lot, then the more risk you take, the more likely you are to go bankrupt. And I think here you could unintentionally take on too much risk and go bankrupt, but then you could gain experience and intentionally do it because it's go big or go home, right? If you don't take a big risk and you come in second, a lot of people say, well, what's the point? I'm going to take the big risk and maybe maybe I'm more likely to go bankrupt, but I'm also more likely to win the game. Right. Yeah, I think a lot of that is tied to experience levels with respect to how well they're able to see if they're losing. It's hard to see if you're losing sometimes, especially if you're a new player. Mm-hmm. So maybe with more experience, you are more easily able to identify when you're losing for sure or more than likely going to lose. 
And so then you say, okay, well, there's no reason for me to not take excessive risk in the hope that my last gasp effort will will get me to the win. And now yeah. you, you go bankrupt if you're unsuccessful. Yeah. And I do think, I, I totally agree with Tom that uh, after the first few games, it would be driven by personality. I don't know if this is exactly what he means by this, but uh, when I say I agree with it, I'm thinking of, in the H and XX community, it seems more common than not that there's a, if you're not first, you're last mentality. Um, and therefore people, if they know they're not winning, like you said, if they can recognize it, they're more likely to take a big risk in order to try to flip the tables. Um, but I think that if people are coming from a point of view where they care about whether they're second or third or fourth, they maybe bankruptcies would be less likely in groups like that because they aren't going to take a risk just because they're not winning if they could play it safe and guarantee a second place instead of coming in dead last or something like that. So, right. And, and this whole, this whole thing changes drastically when you're talking about stuff like, uh, our 1846 tournament where relative positioning determines your, your points that you win. And it's better to do, to win second in all four games than to come in first in one and last in another and then middling on the other two. Like, yeah, this was actually a really interesting discussion that we that we had on the Discord about you know, some people really dislike tournament play because it, you play differently in tournaments. And I don't know anything about how the placement works in the 1846 tournament, but I used to play a lot of poker, and I can I can totally understand the argument. I really preferred tournament play to cash games uh, for a few reasons, one being that I could play more because... I would run out of cash if I played all cash games hmm. um, versus a single buy-in. But I also really liked I liked how different the game played where um, when blinds were constantly going up, if you had players that didn't adapt to tournament play and played as if the blinds stayed low the whole game, uh, they wouldn't take big risks and they would find themselves running out of money just from paying blinds as they go up. And I could see anal- you know, analogous um situations in, in ATXX where people are playing totally different just because it's a tournament, or maybe they're not playing different because they don't understand that they have to play differently for tournaments. And um, so it, it kind of changes the whole landscape of the game when there's a tournament going on. And there's a big discussion on whether people like it or not. I don't know what your opinion on how you feel about it is, but um, there were some people on polar opposite ends on this one in our Discord. So. Yeah, I, I noted some heated discussion. I didn't get in on it, but yeah, I don't. I don't have a stance. Uh, and even in this forty-six tournament, I have not been paying attention at all to the results. Um, I don't want to feel bad if I do badly, um, and if I happen to do well, so be it. But that's that's. I got my blinders on. So you're just playing for playing for first in every game. Yeah, I'm just like you to. would in a, just a, in an. Yeah, I'm not adapting my behavior at all. There's also no stakes. I mean, it's not a cash. You're not. No. You're not. There's no buy-in for the tournament. There's no prizes. It's just bragging rights, I guess. Yeah. And, and I don't know how. I don't know how much street cred you get for winning a, an 1846 tournament, but um, I can't imagine that that street cred is all that valuable uh, to most people. So yeah, the stakes are very low in this tournament. So adapting to tournament play specifically um, versus just getting better at the game by playing how you would normally play seems, you know, seems a little bit silly. Yeah. All right, so Phil said, uh, I think the like, I think the likelihood, hmm. I think that is likely a U-shaped graph. Uh, the likelihood a, of bankruptcy is a U-shaped graph. Oh, okay, yes, that makes more sense. 
Um, as an in inexperienced player, you end up in risky positions inadvertently, so your your likelihood is high to go bankrupt. As experience increases, players will usually stop taking those positions until they get to a spot where they are taking the risks intentionally because they understand the game state better, which is pretty much exactly where our discussion has kind of led us. Yeah, we were just saying that after Tom's comments. Let's yeah. should have read ahead. And then opposing, Randy said, absolutely not. Experienced players know how to avoid such an embarrassing fate. Oh, and an emphatically, yes, ex experienced players know how to engineer a bankruptcy to end games. Why would they hang around in a game that can't be won? Uh, so at least in games where bankruptcy ends the pain, it is entirely dependent on the player's gaming ethos. A better way to state it is that in experienced play, bankruptcies are rarely unintentional. I think that that bankruptcy being intentional, I think, again, that that kind of ties to what we've been saying because if you're intentionally taking the risk knowing full well I will either go bankrupt or win, then that is, I would consider that an intentional bankruptcy if it happens. Um, so, right? you, you knowingly went into that that deal. Yeah. The other thing I, I, that I'm glad that you phrased the last thing you said that way because we have been basing this whole discussion on the premise that bankruptcy equals losing. Right. But you can engineer a bankruptcy to win a game as right. well. Um, so it's rare. Yeah, it's, it is rare. And I think it, that certainly takes a lot more skill and experience. Um, but I just, I, for some reason, the way that Randy's question was phrased or the way you read it, um, just made me realize that this whole discussion had been predicated on bankruptcy equals losing. And that's not necessarily the case. So we aren't including those cases, obviously, in this question. Right. Yeah, that's true. But I actually would like to talk more about that at some point because I think engineered bankruptcies to win the game are incredibly interesting. And I don't know how often this, those can happen and in what titles they can happen, but I'd like to dive into that more on how, how one would go about doing that successfully. There's basically a, a, a non-existent but yet still rung bell on Twitter every time it happens on Doc Games now because it since that's been going on, I will see a tweet. Like I've seen um, Jack. She's a person who's played a lot of 18xx on dot games, especially. I've played a few games with her. And she was the first one I saw who did an 82. She, she had an 1882 intentional bankruptcy win. And then like a couple months later, somebody else did it too. Um, I don't know if it was in that game or something else. But there's sort of like a thing where if it happens, you kind of, everyone just goes like, hey, it happened. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Um, I would honestly, as annoyed as I might be if somebody was doing that, if they actually ended up pulling it off in the end and winning the game, I'd be pretty excited to see that. Yeah, I think you kind of need to not notice it happening at first, and then all of a sudden it's too late. It's like one of those things. As another player, like you can't, I think if the other players catch on, and like if they sniff it out, unless you're in a weird situation, it's probably not going to work out for you. Yeah, um, I'd be curious to see situations like that and see if it's something where the players have to collaborate in order to stop it because otherwise, you know, one, one person's not going to fall on the sword for the rest of the players to stop, right. you know, to stop it. So I'm curious what, what that situation would look like in terms of the, the collaboration to stop it. That's yeah. a, the way off topic, I suppose, but I think it's an interesting topic. <laughs> I, I think you're on topic. It's different, but it's related. Um, so we have one more. Yeah. So this is Eric Brocious. One downside to some games is that a player goes bankrupt, the game continues, and some lucky opponent gets a huge windfall. Perhaps a corporation with great roots, no train, but money for a permanent train and treasury after the bankrupt player's assets go in. 
that wasn't really answering the ex experienced or inexperienced uh, effect of bankruptcy, but more of the fact that bankruptcy could lead to some other player in the game getting a big windfall. Yeah, I just, I asked, you know, are bankruptcies fun? What are your general feelings on them too? Oh, okay. There was yeah. a second follow-on yep. question. Got it. Um, but yeah, that's that's totally true. I mean, I, I think that is, I think, part of the part of the argument for calling games, I think, in, in some cases is that, you know, one player is going to end up with a big advantage. Um, right. On the flip side, if that player engineered this player to go bankruptcy in order to get that advantage, then that's part of the game too. So, um, yeah, actually, I, in my first round of the 46 tournament, one of the games I was in, one of the players went bankrupt. I've never seen it before in 46. Uh, and I mean, I played with a lot of experienced players and not too many inexperienced players. I'm assuming this person was, or they just were like on the risk train. Um, I play uh, with all experienced players. And uh, <laughs> and they went bankrupt. No, no shade on this person for experimenting if they were inexperienced and if they're listening. Um, but the company was then sitting there and I didn't actually even know the rules in 46 for what I was going to, I was going to ask if you had to break out the rule book when this I, happened. I did, but I didn't, I like, I did need to, but I did not. And, and then I had first stock action and I apparently could have just started buying that company up and like scooping it up. And I didn't cause I wasn't even, it wasn't even on my radar. And then somebody else did. And then they, I think they ended up winning the game. And I was like, Oh, well that was stupid. <laughs> but so when it, when a bankruptcy happens, does that company end up with all of its shares back in treasury and just has the assets sitting there? Uh, I don't even know. You know, I will look up the rules and we'll just edit this out. Put the cash the player raised in the corporation's treasury. Sell all remaining shares owned by this player to the stock market even if this puts more than 50% of the corporation's stock or a president's certificate there. Add the money raised to the corporation's treasury. This may result in a presidency change in the corporation currently operating. So this is exactly what Eric's talking about, is that you put all this money in the mm -hmm. corporation and then you you don't control it anymore. Um, and, and then someone with two shares would suddenly be the president of a company that has a ton of money sitting in it. Then it would need a train, but you might be able to just buy something off of another one of your companies for tons of money. Right. Yeah. And then I think you can just buy those shares afterwards. And the, the president immediately purchases the train for it. So it's not like it goes another operating around falling back on the stock market or anything like that. No, it just sits there doing nothing. So yeah. that's in 46, right? But um, anyway, it's a weird scenario. Uh, you have any other thoughts on bankruptcy or you want to move on? Uh, no, let's move on. I think we've okay. probably beaten that one to death. Yeah, it is dead. It's bankrupt. Especially because uh, there's no, there's we don't know the answer, right? Well, that's the whole point of having this discussion is that there's no <laughs> real, correct, objectively right answer. Right. All right. So, paying, withholding dividends. What are we doing with it? Um, I, I'd call it half paying because we are we're going to do a stream soon. I don't know when, but we have to do one, and I think we should. There's so many titles out there on Doc Games and TTS. There's no reason not to do it. I want to stream 49. Oh, we did that already. I want to stream it again on Doc Games because I want to play more than once. And I also want to play 67 again. We have different goals, my friend. What do you want to play? I would love to play 60, especially because now we can play a three-player game of it. Yep. Okay, me too. I would... Let's see. What was, You just have a list of all the games that are up there. There were some yeah. in there that... So yeah, 60 is definitely at the top of my list. I don't know. I'd, like, I'd really like to play 24 again. 
I missed 24. That's on TTS, though, not, not dot games. Yeah, yeah. Well, TTS is not as painful as I thought it was. Those are probably two, two of the top games that I want to play um, soon. 49's up there as well. 61 and 67, I definitely do want to play again because I've only played that one disaster of a game. Yeah, um, it's it's fun. I don't know why it hasn't been on my mind lately, but I do want to play that one. So, all right, so let's try and play 60 soon and we can we can do it on stream so that maybe folks... Uh, if they either want a refresher before the Kickstarter starts or if they haven't seen it in action, can check it out. 60, I think, is going to be at the top of my of my list, I think, when, when we start getting more more into it. it's There just seems to be so many things you can do. All right, let's do it. Um, we'll, we'll... I'm probably going to even get a second copy with the Kickstarter, depending on how much the Kickstarter goes for. Wow. We'll see. Or maybe I'll sell the copy I have and just get the Kickstarter or vice versa. We'll see. It all depends on how much it costs. Yeah, yeah. Okay, listener questions. This is kind of a silly question. It's not a deep question. But if somebody asked you what's 18xx and you, they, just, they had no idea whether they wanted to play it or not, how would, you, how would you answer that question? What's your elevator pitch? Yeah, what's your elevator pitch for 18xx? Because I sometimes struggle with that. Yes. How do, you, <laughs> how do you describe 18xx to a non-trained gamer? In such a way that doesn't sound like the most boring thing in the world. <laughs> I have a feeling we're going to get mostly boring answers, but the people that answer it are going to say that it doesn't sound boring because to them it sounds, it sounds really awesome. exciting. Yeah. Oh, man, my poor wife. She, we were having a discussion about this the other day, and she was like, anytime I engage your stories, I'm afraid that you will take it as interest. <laughs> because... Because I was, I was saying, like, you know, you could pretend to be interested in, in, in whatever I was saying. Um, and it was a hobby thing that she doesn't care about. And she was like, well, I can't really all the time because then you actually just keep going and you keep going more. There's another, another meme that you or somebody in Discord maybe posted where it was like, um, is, four, is four a big number? It's like, well, it depends. Is it? That was me. It was from Doctor Who, and it was it was like Clara asking the doctor, like, is four a big number? He said, it depends. Uh, hours left of work? Definitely. Hours in a train game? No, not at all. <laughs> no, I like that one a lot. Yeah. But we're not here to talk about train memes. We're here to talk about train facts. So Train facts. Take it away, train Johnny, fact master. Are you ready for the most incredible trilogy of information? No. He's going to get some popcorn and a drink. <laughs> all right so this is part one of three of a, a three three part series i'm going to try and do and it, hell it may even go four we'll see we'll see how much knowledge i'm willing to dispense Ooh, it'll be a saga yeah is that what it turns into after a trilogy <laughs> I don't know. a quadrilogy um anyway this is a series on george pullman and pullman cars and pullman chicago and the pullman strike Eventually, we're going to go through this whole saga, and and as I learn more, I may extend or contract the scope. I have many sources for the information that I pulled today that I that are going to be linked in the show notes as credit because some of this is blatant plagiarism. I just want to share this stuff because it's interesting to me. Um, so, in a bunch of games that we play, there are Pullman cars, and for a while we didn't even know what those were. We were like, okay, it's a company or something. So when people ask what's a Pullman car, they might hear it's a railroad car that you can sit down in and sleep in and have a meal in. 
but there's actually a lot more to their history than that. So sleeping cars actually existed 20 years before George Pullman's first two rail coaches uh, that he converted in 1858 existed. The Cumberland Valley Railroad in 1836 and the New York and Erie Railroad in 1843 both had sleeper cars and were in widespread use by 1858. Those were the first two that had one, but they were uncomfortable and hard to convert from a day coach to night sleeping cars. So they weren't the most popular things in the world. So George Mortimer Pullman was born in March of 1831 in Brockton, New York, son to Emily Crowline and James Lewis Pullman, who I, in all the documents, it just said Lewis Pullman. So I think he, he went by Lewis, who was a carpenter and cabinet maker, uh, which was their family's business. He was the third of 10 children, which is so many, everyone just had a billion kids back then. Is What? I was just going to say, is 10 a big number? 10, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> So in 1835, his father had invented a machine using jack screws and rollers that could lift buildings out of the way and onto new foundations, which he had patented in 1841. And I have some pictures that I will find a way to put links to of the actual machine. It's, yeah, it's just this big jack screw and then these roller pins that went underneath and and he patented it. And then there's like a picture of of a huge three-story building just getting rolled down the the street um, after being jacked up on on these things. Uh, so in 1845, his family moved to Albion, New York, along the Erie Canal, where his father was working to widen the canal. And he was he got this work because of this machine that he invented. And so he was like, the work he was doing was lifting up buildings and moving them so that the canal could get widened. In 1853, George's father died, and uh, a 22-year-old George, the eldest unmarried son, took on the family business to support his mother and younger siblings. Meanwhile, in Chicago, there was a big problem in the city. And this is like, needs to be set up because otherwise history doesn't play out the same way, which is pretty cool. Um, So Chicago had been built so that it was a little higher, but just a little bit higher than the surrounding Lake Michigan, which meant that there was basically no naturally occurring drainage of water. And that led to major issues The city was a money mess even during dry spells and standing water harbored pathogens that caused numerous epidemics, including typhoid fever and dysentery, which blighted Chicago for six years in a row, culminating in the 1854 outbreak of cholera that killed 6% of the city's population, which sucks. So in an act of monumental hubris, the leaders of Chicago decided that they would raise the entire city from anywhere from four to seven feet install sewers, gas, and water pipes underneath, and then backfill the street level. So I think I did know this because I'd listened to Devil in the White City, but they just lifted the whole of Chicago up like seven feet, which in 1858, which is absolutely incredible to me. Am I misunderstanding? You you said it was built a little higher than the surrounding lake. Was it only a little, like basically on level with the lake? Okay. If that wasn't clear, they like built it basically like just a little higher than, than the lake, but right on, on level. Okay, so that is accurate. It wasn't that it was built lower than. It just wasn't high enough to prevent drainage into the city. Yeah, it, it, water wouldn't like naturally drain back into the, into the lake okay. uh, when it was rainy. So, yeah, it was just like a big muddy swamp. And, and buildings would like sink a little bit. Um, they, there's a good section, again, like, like I was saying in uh, Devil of the White City, which is an interesting book that it's set in Chicago. And there's lots of interesting shit in that book. I highly recommend it. But they talk about it there, too. So, yeah, they had to lift the city of Chicago up. Enter George Pullman, 
So he heard about all this stuff happening and he was like, hey, I can move buildings laterally. So it must not be too much harder to just use my technology to raise buildings up. So he moved to Chicago and his first contract was to raise the Madison Hotel, which he was able to elevate by five feet in less than a month. Following that, he raised another hotel, the Briggs Hotel, which I do have pictures of. He did that, I believe, in like five days. Yeah, I think he did it in four feet in five days or something like that. While the hotel was in business, all these things happened like they didn't even stop business. They just kept going and they gradually raised these things up. Um, and this, it, for anyone who's not going to look at the pictures, is a it looks like a five-story building that's 100 or 200 feet long and 50 to 100 feet wide. It, it's crazy just to think that this is happening in 1858 or, or thereabouts. Next, with two other contractors, 600 workers and 6,000 jack screws, he raised the entire block of Lake Street between Clark and LaSalle more than four feet in five days. Oh, this was the one. Okay, four feet in five days without disrupting businesses, including rows of shops, a bank, and a sidewalk in front of them. Not a pane of glass was broken. Um, and there's a picture of that as well. It is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine buildings in a row. So an entire block of a city was raised up uh, simultaneously. And that's where I'm going to leave George Pullman for right now. And I, I do... What? No, tell us more. Don't stop. Come back. <laughs> um, I do want to preface the rest of it or leave it at least with... I might sound like I'm glorifying Pullman... And I'm pretty sure he was a he was a bad dude. He was not a good dude in the end. We'll we'll get to that part because the the Pullman strikes were weren't not a good thing. He had a heavy hand in it. But anyway, um, I want to shout out. Oh shit! I need to look this up. Who told me about the Pullman strikes? Was it Dan? I don't remember. I have a note. I think it must have been Dan. Well, I, I don't remember who uh, recommended I look into the Pullman strikes. Um, I think it might have been Dan from our Discord, but yeah, so this started me on this path, and I wanted to give a little bit of background, uh, you know, sort of like we did with um, Vanderbilt. Like, how did he get to be in a place where he had so much money? Because the Pullman company was a massive thing, and uh, as we'll see in the next episode, he established his own town in Chicago where his workers lived. And that's how the riots got started. Spoiler. On next week's episode, <laughs> are you going to do a uh, previously on train shuffling? I will. It'll be great. Uh, so that's it. You've been you've been learned. All right. To be continued. Yeah. Is that your acapella Seinfeld? <laughs> that's supposed to be our outro music, but... <laughs> Oh, I thought you were doing the the uh, the weird Seinfeld. <laughs> boop, boop, boop. <laughs> okay. Any shout outs? Yes, I have shout outs. Before we go, I would like to shout out the Bankruptcy Club for having me on and for wheel tapping, for having me uh, with their games. Uh, it was a delight to play with both of those groups. And uh, and, and everybody's just so famous. Yep. Thanks for the invites, guys. All of you. <laughs> <laughs> The one was on a Saturday, and I knew that you were working. So. No, I think, yeah. Yeah, one, one of them was on a, on a work night. For sure. Cool. That's it. All right. That's it for tonight's episode, everybody. Thanks for listening to us talk about trains. 
if you have any questions or comments about anything we said tonight or a previous podcast, you can get in touch with us at trainshuffling at gmail.com or at trainshuffling on Twitter. Uh, and with that said, I hope you all have a nice day or evening. And that nearly perfect delivery was only the fifth attempt, just so you all know. Yes, I tried five times. <laughs> good night, everybody. Hey, good night. All right, run your pain. Run, run your pains. Run, run your pains. Train your. Bow, 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 bow. God. Uh, should we have a better one?